football talk like you've never heard before. The pinky finger goes up the nose. Ugh. From the tailgates. A million percent correct. Those are the best fries in the universe. To the touchdowns. He's going for the corner. He's got it. We have everything covered. Place at the table. <laughs> Here's Andy Staples. His squad is in the house. Welcome to the Place at the Table podcast. And it is a week until National Signing Day. Bet you didn't realize that. I know some some of you did because you recruit Knicks. But some of you probably did not because early signing period starts this year and it is December 20th, next Wednesday. So today I'm bringing in an expert to explain just what the heck is going to happen. And that's Rob Cassidy from Rivals. Rob, you are uh, you're, you're leaving Hattiesburg, Mississippi after the Alabama Mississippi All Star practices. Uh, you are you've been talking to these guys for you know months now. Does anybody know what's really going to happen next week? No, and you know, like anything else in recruiting, it'll be a mix of you know normal normalcy and complete chaos. Um, I think you know certain kids without options. It's probably in their best interest to sign and sign early. But I think the problem with this, at least the larger problem with it, is what's in it for the you know the top hundred players in the country to go ahead and sign early. I, I mean, this is a signing day constructed for the benefit of the schools. Uh, if you're a top one hundred kid with options, I don't know why you would do it because you know what? There are assistant coaching moves coming. Like there are going to be kids that sign Andy in, next week. And then the guy that recruited them is going to leave, and then they're going to want out of their letter of intent. And what's going to happen is, I bet, at least on one occasion, some kid is going to be like, fine, I'll just sit out this year and transfer to whatever school. That's a, I, I wonder it, why more guys don't do that. I, I know – I remember, like, Eddie Vander does when he was fighting his letter of intent to Notre Dame. That's something he thought about. Yeah, it's something he threatened, right? And yeah. he ended up uh, UCLA – no, I think we're going to see. I think we're going to see a lot of it uh, coming up really soon, um, because you can't really predict what's going to happen. Because this is the first time anybody's been through it uh, in this first week, so it'll be interesting. Because we're going to set precedents in a lot of different ways uh, in the coming week. So a lot of the coaches I talked to have said that they basically, and these are these are guys at Power Five schools, they feel like they're going to sign eighteen to twenty-two kids on on or during this period. I should be clear it's a three-day period wednesday through friday yeah and i think i think that's probably true in some cases uh in some power five cases i think you'll see places like miami have all their kids sign uh most of them anyway uh places like georgia have most of them except for you know there are some names in there especially the quarterback that everybody's after justin fields who i don't think will sign even though he says he might uh, i think you'll see most of these classes sign you know those numbers of kids it's going to be the top 5% of players that have a ton of options, have tons of coaches in their ears from other schools saying, why would you do this? Uh, and that's good advice. And I think they'll hold out. Uh, and it's going to be really interested to see what happens uh, when they do decide to hold out and they tell these coaches of the schools they're committed to if, if they tell them to scram or not. Well, that, that is, that's what I'm, I'm curious about, too. I had a, a person from a school that assigns top 15 type classes text me the other day and say, I can't believe how many of these guys – want to take visits in January. We keep telling them, we're going to send you a letter of intent, and you either sign it or you don't. But if you don't sign it, you're not committed. So what? how do those dynamics play out? Is it a case-by-case basis? Are you, no, 100%, yeah. like anything else. It's easy to say that to a guy if there's five more of them 
available right. throughout the country. But what if it's number one player in the country? What if it's, you know, in George's case, if Justin Fields says, hey, guess what? I don't want to sign. Uh, I don't think that Kirby Smart's going to be like, okay, fine. You're, you're not, not going to pull his I, offer. Exactly. No, yeah. but, you know, further down the list, there are offers that probably will get pulled because of this. But, you know, like anything else in recruiting, it's uh, it all really depends on your talent level. Well, that, that's the thing I don't know that people quite understand about recruiting. Recruiting is all about leverage, whether on the school side or on the, the player side. And if you're the player, this is really your last chance to use your leverage until you get a bachelor's degree. Yeah. If you still have eligibility left when you get a bachelor's degree. Yeah. And I I think it's, you know, this first round, uh, they're having to be told that, I think, by coaches, their high school coaches or, you know, their parents are are having to step in here Um, because they're going to need this leverage, too. I think the bigger thing that that we're not really looking at, I mean, we all talk about the head coaching carousel. And, you know, it's one thing, it's really hard for a kid to sign with, you know, Willie Taggart at Florida State if he's been the coach there for, you know, three weeks. Uh, And then it's like, all right, shut everybody else out and sign with me, even though I just met you three weeks ago. That's tough. What we don't think about is how many, I looked back just because I was curious. I looked back at how long into the year that I was writing assistant coaching move stories last year. I was writing them well into April. Yeah. Uh, I always always call the day after National Signing Day moving day. Because that's yeah. when it starts to trickle out. And actually, now you're starting to hear it even before signing day. And I, I think probably the ultimate case of it getting out before it was supposed to was probably uh, when UCLA's defensive coordinator went to join Dan Quinn's staff with the Falcons. And the Georgia coaches alerted Roquan Smith to this. And he yeah, and it worked sign. out for Georgia. Exactly. And he yeah. wound up signing with Georgia because he didn't want to yeah. be lied to. And it's even worse now, you know, people call it lying season because, I mean, it hasn't even started yet. I, I don't know what the percentages are, but in these kids, you know, as naive as they can be because they are just kids, you know, they may be 300 pound linemen, but they're kids. They don't understand that these adults uh, are in it for themselves here. Right. And they'll tell you, hey, sign with the school, sign with the school. Maybe there's a bonus in a contract where if you land a top 100 kid because those exist. And then with every intent of taking that relationship they've built and moving to their next job, which they should do too, because it's, it's all for looking out for number one. I understand that as much as anybody, but, but I think a lot of these do that too. And it's funny because yes. fans get mad when a top recruit looks out for himself, but they don't get mad when the coaches all do it. Yeah, no, it's only loyalty. If it benefits the school that you're a fan of but don't you know, <laughs> it's, it, it is, it is funny though. Cause I mean, I don't know when moving day is going to be. Do you do the assistants get shuffled after this signing period, or do they wait till February still? I think we might see two rounds. Um, I think there are probably staffs in place that haven't hired. I mean, there's a reason that Willie Taggart's sitting there without a full staff right now, right? Sure. Um, and it's almost as that, if Oregon has a, a a guy who needs to help sign the rest of that class, and oh by the way, coach in the bowl game, and then maybe he just sort of I don't know comes back to the state where he used to be a head coach as a defensive player. Yeah, or any, any other school. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's a reason these guys haven't rushed to fill every position. And I think you'll see this first round happen uh, with the head coaching moves that have happened after the first signing day. And then I think there'll be another wave of it after the, uh, after the second one. So let's talk about, about some of these top recruits. You, know, you mentioned Justin Fields, that, that he's a potential one who might not sign on signing day. Obviously, that would – 
tick off Georgia and, and Kirby Smart, but I'm sure Kirby has been through enough of this to understand that Justin Fields has pretty much all the leverage. I, I mean, he was, what, Dan Mullen's first stop after he got the yeah. quarter job? Yeah, Florida State doesn't have a quarterback yet. Uh, now that they've got a new coach in place, maybe. And, you know, he was one of the finalists. Uh, they were one of the finalists to land Justin Fields. So, you know, maybe maybe he visits Florida. Maybe he wants to visit Florida State. I think he will want to take some visits because, I mean, Justin Fields has been a guy that's, you know, he's enjoyed this process. He's made no secrets about that. Uh, I just can't see Georgia convincing him to sign early. And maybe I'm wrong, uh, but I think most guys that most guys of his caliber that are going to sign early have already announced, hey, I'm, I'm just going to sign. Uh, I think you'll see, you know, that our number one player in the country, Trevor Lawrence, sign early. He's, he'll sign with Clemson. Uh, let me, let me ask this, before we go any further, I have to ask this question, and I'm sure you get this question all the time about Trevor Lawrence. Is his hair as magnificent in person as it looks like in pictures? Oh, is it ever, man? And now he can never. He's one of these guys that can never cut it now because that's gonna, you know, it's gonna be his calling card going forward. If you know, if 2017 is all about your brand, Trevor's hair is his brand. There's a photo that's floating around of him that is absolutely amazing. I mean, he looks like Thor in that picture. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. You, you you can't change it. But now now Trevor and and Xavier Thomas, the two guys that are committed to Clemson that are in your top five. Xavier Thomas committed the day of the spring game at Clemson last year, and, and Trevor Lawrence was already committed. Are, are they going to sign next week? Yeah, I think I think they're both going to sign because I think their situations are a little different than Fields, who's kind of looking at some of these schools that just went through coaching changes, was looking at them before. They've been pretty locked in forever. I, I expect those two to sign. It's guys like it's guys like Fields, and even maybe you know I think James Cook has told me he's going to sign uh, the running back Dalvin Cook's little brother. Uh, he's committed to Georgia as well. He's told me he's going to sign, but I know that Florida State uh, still hasn't completely given up on him. So maybe they'll try to make a play for him late, too. What about some guys that were committed and then the coach they were committed to got fired and then they went looking around? I noticed Tennessee got a guy back in the boat today. But what about like Cade Mays, who's from Knoxville, was committed to Tennessee forever and then started visiting. He visited Georgia, Ohio State. What's a guy like that going to do? I don't think you'll see Cade May sign in the early period. I, I think he, I think he wants to go to Tennessee. I think Tennessee just has to give him a reason to go to Tennessee. I think Clemson is probably his most likely landing spot. I just the uncertainty around Tennessee, and you know everybody loves the Pruitt hire, and I'm sure it's a fine hire, but it's still you know another coaching change. Um, not everything is super stable there right now. And I think that Mays and his family sees that. And as much as they like to go to Tennessee if everything was even, I mean they were going to go there if Butch kept the job. Uh, I think you'll see him probably with a wandering eye to Clemson would be my guess. Well, that would be two years in a row that the best, the best player in Knox County went to, uh, to Clemson, right? <laughs> yeah, they've, yeah, they really, they're making a living kind of off of Tennessee shortcoming. Well, and tell me about some of these new coaches, because I, you know, we, we talk about them as, as strategists and everything else. And, and we say, Oh, this guy's a good recruiter. Like with Jeremy Pruitt, it seems like he's a very good recruiter. When Derrick Henry comes out and says, hey, he's the reason I went to Alabama, that's a pretty ringing endorsement. But what kind of recruiter is Jeremy Pruitt? How good of a hire from a recruiting standpoint is that hire? You know, it, I think and this might be getting a little bit too inside baseball. I think on the surface, it's really easy for us to be like, oh, that guy's a good recruiter. But, you know, anybody... It's more about, you know, I think it's more about fit, right? And, you know, I think he'll be fine there. Um, I would say I always like to liken it to Florida. It's Recruiting in everywhere is a little different. Recruiting in Florida is super different. Um, I keep trying to tell people to, that and no one will listen to me. 
Yeah, I mean, you, the high school coaches aren't involved, right? So we're in Texas. Maybe you, if you're a college coach, you can deal with the high schools, and that's what you do. If you do that in Florida, you're not going to get very far. You have to know the guys to talk to, whether they're trainers or seven-on-seven seven coaches or some other form of handler. Um, it's just a different kind of landscape. And, you know, that's not casting judgment on the way it's done. It's just done differently. And if you don't know how to do it, you can't recruit there. Uh, there's a semblance of that to Tennessee. It's not as bad. Uh, it's not as, you know, it's probably not as widespread. But you still have to know the landscape of where you're trying to recruit. And trying to recruit in Tennessee has got a little bit of Florida in it, especially in the last, like, five years, I think. It's well, it kind of developed. Like he's, it feels like he's not had to change his recruiting area even as he's hopped jobs, when he when he was Alabama's DBs coach, he was recruiting the same kids that he recruited as Florida State's defensive coordinator, same as when he was Georgia's defensive coordinator. It seems like he's kind of in that world already. And Tennessee, you got to be able to recruit Georgia, the Carolinas, Alabama, Florida, or you're dead anyway. So it, it feels like he's a little bit ahead on that front. Yeah, I think both him and Taggart are, are ahead in the way that they know the area that they're going to be asked to recruit. Um, and I, you know, I think you'll see that pan out of Tennessee. I don't think it's, if, if Prude has a problem in Tennessee, I don't think it's going to be, he can't get players. Uh, you know, he knows how to recruit that area of the country and, uh, you know, he knows the right contacts, which is all, that's all it's about in the South. Um, so you could be the greatest recruiter in the world at UCLA. Uh, but if you get dropped off at Tennessee or at Florida or at Florida state and are expected to do the same job and you've not done it before, it can be, you know, there can be a learning curve. It's interesting that you mentioned that because that's one of the reasons I keep thinking that Florida actually wound up in a better place with Dan Mullen than if Chip Kelly had taken the job. And I think Chip Kelly wound up in a better place for Chip Kelly by taking the UCLA job specifically because of that recruiting piece. No, I totally agree. Uh, 100% agree that that worked out perfectly for everybody. Um, there would have been a learning curve on Chip Kelly. I think people get enamored with the name and the name does bring, you know, kids know who Chip Kelly is, but do they care? I mean, we can look at guys like Herman Edwards. I, people think that these kids sit around and watch hours of pregame football and know who Herman Edwards is because he's on ESPN. I, that's just not true. Most of these kids don't it, even it's, watch it's, football. That, that's no, one of the don't. amazing things to me. You'll, you'll ask them, oh, who's your favorite college team growing up? Oh, I didn't watch football. I'm an yeah, NBA no. fan. I did, I did this, this story about Lane Kiffin uh, when he got hired at, at FAU. And I just wanted to see what they what they thought of Lane, and I was asking these kids about him. And a lot of them were like, made me pull out my phone and show them that he used to be the head coach at USC, that he used to be the head coach at Tennessee. They were like, to them, it was, oh, he's the guy from Alabama. He's an up-and-coming coordinator. He's a Nick Saban guy. Uh, I told Al Blades, famously, that he was the head coach of the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Al Blades would be uh, the former Miami kid's son who's committed to Miami it's now. Benny, Benny Blades' he, kid, right? Yeah, Benny Blades' kid. And he sat there. And made me take out my phone to prove to him <laughs> that Lane Kiffin coached the Oakland Raiders. Because he was eight they when just, Lane Kiffin yeah. coached the Raiders. He was and, worried and think, about Dragon Ball Z. And think about Herm Edwards then. I mean, everybody, I guess the Arizona State drum is, oh, he's got a name. You know, there's an allure. He's got a cachet in his name. And it's like, no, you know, maybe with you and I he does. But he's not trying to recruit you and I. Well, I, it's interesting because that's one of the things, you know, my first job at SI was covering recruiting. And it was fascinating when you go talk to players because Sports Illustrated did not really ring very much with them. They wanted to talk at the time, it's 2008, they wanted to talk to rivals and scout. That's, that's who their world was. 
yeah, everybody's got a different perspective, you know? I mean, that goes for everything, not just, you know, football, but I mean, and that's theirs. <laughs> and it's the world they live in. They don't, we don't live in the same world as these kids. That's <laughs> all so there's to it. How, how has it changed over the last five years? I know uh, I've talked to guys who cover recruiting who say social media changed everything that, you know, a lot of times the, the updates you guys would be doing five years ago would be, hey, here's this guy's top five. Well, now he just tweets it. Yeah, here's the thing with that. Maybe, you know, I am not I am not one of these grizzled recruiting reporters. I was, you know, a beat guy. I've only been doing recruiting coverage for about five years. It hasn't been that much different. So when I got into covering recruiting, the Twitter thing was there. Uh, it's not like, you know, I, I was covering it when we had rotary phones or anything like that. Anything like that. I, so you'd I have did. to find somebody. <laughs> you'd to, you can, yeah, you'd answer that question better than I could. Then. Yeah, it was, it, it, it's amazing going back to when I was in college and working for the school paper covering Anquan Bolton's recruitment to uh, Florida was trying to get him and, and Florida State wanted him. And I mean, you you call now we we did talk to a cousin one time who gave us some info. Uh, but, you you know, you talked to the high school coach back then. It, it's yeah, it's not the same as you, you got to find a seven, seven on seven coach. You got to figure out who trains him. It, and see in Texas, it's still like that. You can still deal with the high school coach not, in Texas. Not, Every, not as much as everybody thinks, though. I, I had a, a coach in Texas tell me recently, like everybody thinks it's so different here than than in Florida. It's not as different. Now you got trainers seven on seven. Like it was a big deal the other day. People went nuts when Jimbo Fisher visited oh, Jimbo, the seven yeah. on seven coach. Yeah, that happens in Florida, and it's like, you know, that just happens every day. It happened in Texas, and people were like, whoa, 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 you know? But that's how Jimbo knows how to recruit. I mean, it just goes back to what we were talking about. It's, you know, it's just he's trained to regionally recruit Florida, and what do you do when you recruit Florida and the surrounding areas? You deal with the seven-on-seven coaches. Uh, So he goes to Texas and does the same thing, and all of a sudden there's like a little bit of backlash. I wonder if that took him off guard. He's he's kissed the ring with the high school coaches. That's the thing. You have to make them feel special. Yeah. But that's all you have to do. You still yep, have well, to deal that, with the seven-on-seven seven coaches and the trainers. Who was it down there? I want to say it's Matt Rule that was, like, in the process of kissing the ring when he got hired at Baylor, was like, we're not going to recruit at IMG Academy. Yes. And everybody and at IMG as, Academy was like, what? That's, as, that's <laughs> I mean, as boldly as you can kiss that ring because they, the Texas coaches hate IMG Academy because IMG yes, Academy comes into Texas and recruits. And IMG Academy's thing is, listen – we're a member of the Florida High School Athletic Association. Florida is the only place we're not allowed to recruit. We can recruit everywhere else if we want to. And the Texas well, IMG Academy sent me a nice little Christmas card this week, so I didn't get anything from the Texas high school coaches. <laughs> well, the, the the Texas coaches, <laughs> it makes me laugh though, because the Texas coaches with their multi-million dollar stadiums and all that stuff, like they don't recruit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Uh, that's the even in Florida they like. Oh, I, I, would, I would laugh when, like when that complain. certain high school coaches in the state of Florida would complain about IMG Academy and and its recruiting practices when when they were the best recruiters in the state. Yeah, they're just mad that somebody else got better facilities for them and is out, rec- out recruiting them. Now. Oh yeah, it, it, it's funny because in in the recruiting business and and in the coverage of everybody's got a hustle. Everybody has a hustle working at at, at any 100%. given time. And it's just a matter of figuring out what everybody's motivation is. You know, and <laughs> that can go even beyond recruiting. I mean, I, that, I mean, we can describe sports in general that way, I guess, if we wanted to. But maybe more prevalent in, in college football and recruiting. You know, everybody's got their angle, um, whether it be coaches. What, I mean, everybody. It's just how, how the world works. It's, you know, it's one of these quid 
quid pro quo situations. Uh, we don't do Latin on this podcast, sir. Um, <laughs> so getting back to, to next week. All right. So let's let's say, you know, we're dealing with a typical upper tier power five school. Okay. What should we expect them to do on Wednesday? I think that if they have a coach in place that's been there for a while and they haven't undergone a coaching change or something, and aside from extenuating circumstances, like we talked about with Justin Fields, where one of these new coaches is recruiting that player, I think that the guys that have been committed for any any length of time, they should sign there. I think a lot of coaches that you talk to expect most of their commitment list to sign, and I think in most cases that will happen. Uh, I think the chaos comes in with a handful of kids that will decline to sign, and then after the assistant coaches move and all these kids want out of the letters that they sign. Well, That's when it's going to become complete chaos. It seems to me the chaos is at the top and bottom of every class. Because here, yep. here's here's the part I'm waiting for. There are going to be a lot of hurt feelings on Tuesday afternoon when people check their doorsteps for that FedEx envelope that they think is coming and it's not there. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and like you said, now with the availability of social media, those shots are going to get fired publicly. Uh, and then you're going to have Imagine people aggregate how it. how ticked some kid who's been committed to a school for three, four months is going to be when his letter of intent does not arrive because he's like number 24 in the class. Yeah, or they tell him, and this is already starting. I was talking, I can't remember who it was. I'd have to listen to my audio to a kid at Alabama, Mississippi that's committed to Mississippi State. He was like, they told me I might be able to sign in the early signing period. I'm like, but you're committed there? And he's like, yeah, but, you know, they may want me to wait. And I'm like, you have to be able to, and you can't say this, obviously, because they stay out of it, but I'm thinking, you have to be able to see through this, right? Like, I mean, what, what they're doing to you. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I feel like there's there's two statements that, that are going to be made one from each side. And and here's what everybody has to figure out. If you say you're committed and you don't sign, you're not really committed. Also, on the flip side, if they tell you you have an offer and they don't send you a letter of intent, you don't really have an offer. Yeah. It's common sense. This is, it is, and it has been forever. And, you know, it's partly, you know, I won't I try to stay away from from using the word decommitment because I think it's a fake word. Um, we just made it up like three, four years ago. Yeah, yeah, I, I will not do it. I just uh, I will not go down that route. But, you know, it's our fault. Con- us being conscious people recruiting, uncoupling, recruiting. do you use that one? <laughs> yeah, I'll just use broken commitment. But we've kind of played into this offer, non-offer thing by covering this stuff. Like, like any of it is anything more than whims, you know, like these kids that, you know, we always say that when a when 2019 kid in Florida commits – or like that a year before signing day, it's like, all right, we know he's not going there. <laughs> yeah. uh, That's but, the one school you can actually cross off the list. Yeah, it's it's you know, it's it is what it is. It is, and there's no way to stop it. It's just complete chaos. No, because it's a thing that doesn't actually exist. That's yeah, it's covering a fake commodity. If we're really just going to call it what it is. And and it's funny because everybody's like, the NCAA should make a rule. They can't make a rule about something that doesn't exist. Yeah, it's like governing unicorns. I mean, you just verbal commitments are. I mean, not, they're not real things. Yeah, yeah. The offer is not real until there's a letter of intent. The commitment's not real until it's signed. So, what do we do? There's got to be a better way to to describe it. There's got to be better words for it. Uh, a re- yeah, I, like I, I would the like to come up with word that. that the coach the coaches use. 
I would like, I like that as well. And I wish we could, you know, have some kind of summit where everybody just decides to use, use that terminology. Um, might need to get a whole Just, lot of people Justin in the room that don't Fields like each other. Justin Fields has a table for two at Cafe Kirby Smart right now. <laughs> yes. At 8 o'clock <laughs> on, on December 20th. He, he can show up or not. I don't think they're going to take any walk-ins and give his table away. But Yeah, and the only reason he's not taking that table, I think, uh, is because at the next table is the guy that just you know took the team to the playoff. and He's going to be at that table for a couple more years. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's... And then the other guy who wants him is the guy who, who found Dak Prescott. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and doesn't have anybody at his table. Right, exactly. Uh, uh, so it, it, is, it is truly amazing. So we got reservation for, for the, the commitment. I, th- I think that's a good way to – decommitment would be uh, – is it your buddy that just flakes out, you know, when you, when you, when you reserve a table for, for three and – the one just bails on you at the last second. <laughs> yeah, I've had many. I've had many a buddy do that the, on Las Vegas the, trips. And the hostess looks at you like, "Do you understand <laughs> what you've just done to me?" Because now I'm putting two at a table for four, and all these people have to wait because of you. It's it's uh, it's you know it's uh, it's nice and refreshing to actually be able to call these fake commodities what they are sometimes. I mean, well, I, I, I imagine in your world, and, and everybody takes it so seriously that, that they can't, they can't do that. And it, with the coaches, it's funny because they know it's BS. They do, but they have to act like they don't because they have to, you know, they have to court these kids. Uh, and if they, you know, if they come out and say this is all fake, uh, that's going to piss off some people. Yeah, it's that that part. At the, I didn't think about the public blowing off of steam but you're right there will be some recruits yeah. who go double barrels at coaches and, that they feel jerk them around and it's going to be picked up and aggregated all over the internet of so-and-so pulls offer at last minute and we're just going to get a lot of that <laughs> and it's this is going to be more public than ever i think there's going to be some spats and some dust-ups and it should be fun to watch well and that's the thing if you're going to pull the offer now's probably a better time to do it yeah, because you can do it now, like as opposed to when they do it, you know, two weeks before the actual, so the the last signing day. Although now, I don't February. have as big of a problem with them pulling it next week as as I do when they pull it two days before the February one, because yeah, then you're really out of options. Spot, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now you have two months to figure it out, so that that's fine. I mean, and and also I think that that kind of helps. You know, you don't get into a situation like Texas got itself into at the tail end of the Mac Brown era where your, your, your class was done on junior day a year before signing or, you know, 360 days before signing day. And half those kids were like, ah, I've made it. Time to start eating. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. It's I don't think there's any real fix. Like everybody has a fix in their mind. Like, you know, this is how we're going to reform recruiting i'll tell you what's not the fix andy is this early signing day because it is going to make this even more of a disaster and i'm not going to be surprised if this does not vanish sooner than later wow because i've heard some people say oh just put it in august and then i the high school coaches you know absolutely 100 percent seem against that and i don't see how that helps the players because it puts a lot more pressure on them before they get to see some campuses yeah, and college coaches, not all of them like it either. I had Mike Leach on our show, Commitment Issues, which you can you can subscribe to on iTunes. I've been like a guest that? on Commitment Issues. <laughs> yeah, great yeah, name. you will be again. We had Leach on our show talking about it before they instituted it. And he didn't want it in August because he feels like 
that takes away a semester's grades they can see before they take a letter of intent. And he was afraid he was going to sign a bunch of ineligible kids. Uh, and, and that's a imagine what David Shaw would have to do if they had a yeah. I don't know what you do. Yeah, because they they have enough trouble with the December one. I know. Yeah, that would completely. I mean, it would just completely destroy Stanford. For those who don't know, Stanford is a little bit different. You have to get into Stanford. You have to get admitted. And Stanford's admission admissions office moves at its own pace. It, and it's not an easy with the essays and everything else. It's not an easy application process either. No. And they're going to they're going to tell it they might not tell you really till till January. So you got to go figure that out. Now, I did talk to David Shaw about it a couple months ago and he said they they talked to the admissions office and, and explained the situation and they talked to the kids they were recruiting and were like, listen, you have to get this stuff in early because they're gonna be overwhelmed toward the end. So get it in as early as humanly possible and we can get the process going and we can we can have a very good idea of whether you're gonna be admitted or not. And that's really all you can do. But it's it, it it's gonna be tricky and there's so much unknown and it doesn't seem like anybody has a real strategy except the yeah, guy, can, except the guy who always has a strategy Nick Saban yeah he's definitely yeah he's definitely got something worked out what can go wrong when you mix a bunch of football coaches that have never done this before with a bunch of teenagers that have never done this before and say let's see what happens I'm sure everything will be orderly well I do I do like the fact that the football coaches now have to deal with the unknown because one of the things that I find inherently unfair about this process is the coaches know the rules inside and out because they have to be tested on the rules. And mm -hmm. for the most part, unless you had an older brother go through this process or a teammate that you're tight with or you come from a St. Thomas Aquinas type school where you see a bunch of people do this every year, you don't know what the process is. Your family has no clue how the process works. Yeah, and that opens it up to, to, you know, there's a bunch of, you know, there's unfortunately people out there that will feed on that <laughs> uncertainty uh, and charge these families, you know, money on top of money on top of money to, to help them, quote unquote. Yeah. And then just oh, I, those people drive me insane. And it's not yeah. it's not just the ones that charge the families of the kids who actually will get scholarships money. The worst are the, are the ones who prey on the, the ones who aren't probably going to get a scholarship, who, who probably are walk on types or division three types. And they say, well, if you pay us. We'll get your name out there and uh, and get you a scholarship. That never works. Like no, never. You guys at <laughs> never, never, never. are really good at finding the good players. You're gonna find them. Yeah, and we're not gonna charge anybody to find them. <laughs> you're gonna charge your readers to read yeah. about them, but you're not gonna charge the players themselves to go find them. And and you know who else is really good at finding good players? The college, college coaches. coaches. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, they don't need somebody you're paying. You know. $300 a month to, to help you out. Oh, I, when I was working at the Tampa Tribune, we shut one of those dudes down pretty good. He, he started an all-star game and it was a <laughs> disaster. And, and we just, so we, we just shamed him into just running out of town. Cause I mean, it, it was, it was awful what he, and, and it's look, you say, Oh, you know, he's just charging a few hundred bucks. Well, not all these families have a few hundred bucks to spare. Yeah, and it's a complete scam. Yeah. It's like charging a few hundred bucks for you know something that is fake. Like, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's bad. So, Before we get into like the underbelly of recruiting here. So really, it's all fake until it's real, and next Wednesday it gets really real. Yeah, for most kids it will. So yeah, it's pretty much all fake until it's real, and that's the, you know that should be you know that's the tagline. If, if if recruiting was a movie, it would be you know college football recruiting, and the tagline is it's all completely fake until it's real. 
You know, I, I there there were some people talking about doing a an hour long HBO type drama series <laughs> about the world of college football recruiting. That would be your log line right there. Yeah, I just want somebody to play me. You need somebody more attractive than me to play me if we're gonna make that movie. Well, we we will definitely do that. We got to get you and Woody and and pretty much all the. I, I, I say it should be set in South Florida because you have schools from every every part of the country coming in. So you could have a yeah. lot of fun with that. And it's particularly insane down there. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, you know, there's more drama unfolding down there than there is anywhere else. You know, it's not happening in Minnesota where you know, everybody is uh, on the up and up. Well, that that's the thing in South Florida. There, there's so many good players running around and – a lot of people don't even realize what what they're sitting on. Yeah, no, not at all. It's you know, it's you know, the other interesting place is Mississippi. I come out of here yeah. every year when I come to this Alabama. It's like there's a six six giant kid that I've never heard of before because he's from a town of three hundred people, and then he ends up leaving this game with thirty offers. Was it, wasn't that Chris year. Jones a few years ago? It was. Yeah, and it's always a Mississippi kid that comes out as that comes under the rock and is like, oh, that guy exists. Well, but this state, nobody covers it because you can't get to anybody. Like, it's, there's not like a St. Thomas in Mississippi where you can go and see a bunch of athletes. You have to go, go out to the sticks. St. Stanislaus on the Gulf I, Coast. I, I just like saying St. Stanislaus. <laughs> I'm going to have to take your word that that's an actual thing. That's a, that is an actual thing. Uh, that's <laughs> where, uh, oh, gosh, I'm blanking on the name. The freshman quarterback at LSU, he played there. Uh, and, and Oh, really? Yeah, Brett Favre's nephew, Dylan Favre, played there. Uh Miles Brennan, that's what I'm thinking of. He played at St. Yep. Stanislaus. He was in this game last year. Um, Brett Favre, speaking of Brett Favre, he has built one of the practices they're doing out here. Uh, is it Oak Grove High School? Where his daughter goes. Our friend Brett Favre has built the nicest volleyball facility, and it's strict volleyball uh, wow. for his daughter's team. Yeah, it's, it's it looks like it looks like a football facility, but it's got a big volleyball sign on it, and it is you know it's gorgeous. So you're the setter at the Oak Grove volleyball on the Oak Grove volleyball team, and. You figure, you know, it's going to be okay. You're going to practice in the gym. Nope. nope. First Get class facility. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah, it's nice. Good for them. All right. Well, Rob, I know i got to let you get back to work. This is a very, very busy time for you. But I, when we do the movie of your life, we will definitely hire someone very attractive to play you. I assure you of that. But it's going to be Chasing Unicorns. The Rob Cassidy story. <laughs> yeah, I like that. We, I, I, that that's, you know, we, that can apply to other areas of my life as well, but we can, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that for now, and I'll, I'll come up with the tagline. We'll actually we have can... Cliff Kingsbury play you. He's very attractive. Looks like Ryan Gosling. We gotta, we got to get an Italian. Uh, we got to get a good-looking Italian. Yeah, right. We'll figure it out, though. We'll get it, we'll get it straight. Uh, I, I, I'm told I look like a fat Ray Liotta, so uh, maybe to play <laughs> me, we'll have actual Ray Liotta who's put on some pounds and kind of like... The only... The only thing I've ever gotten is Cake Boss. Everybody always tells me I look like the guy from Cake Boss. You kind of do. Which is very weird. Yeah, You're maybe a little thinner a version of him. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> All right. Rob Cassie from Yahoo Rivals. Thank you so much for joining us. Go chase those unicorns. Appreciate it, man. We'll talk soon.